I'm Ophira Eisberg from Ask Me Another. Every week we play nerdy games with contestants and celebrities, hear Patrick Stewart dramatically read Taylor Swift lyrics, or learn how many quills there are on a porcupine. Find Ask Me Another on the NPR One app or wherever you get podcasts. Hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Betty. This week on the show, NPR newscaster Corva Coleman and NPR sports correspondent Tom Goldman. All right, let's start the show. Hey, y'all. This is NPR. Sam Sanders here. It's been a minute. No theme music each week. We start with a different song. I'll explain this one in a second. But first, as Betty said so energetically today, two great guests here with me at NPR headquarters in Washington, D.C. Corva Coleman, who's doing a little shoulder shimmy right now. It's because Aunt Betty said my name. (laughs) Corva is a voice you hear all the time on NPR's newscast. Can't tell you how many of my mornings you have helped me start, Corva. It's an honor to have you here. Thank you. And Tom Gold on the line with us from Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us remotely. I can't see uh, you, but I can feel your spirit. <laughs> back at you. And let me say, putting Aunt Betty in a sports contest, that's as close to a Bob Shepard moment as I'll get. <laughs> Bob Shepard, of course, the great, late, great New York Yankees public address announcer. That was awesome. Thank you, Aunt oh, Betty. Yeah, she's been practicing. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you both for being here. We're here to talk about what happened this week. Healthcare overhaul is dead again tax overhaul maybe just being born puerto rico is having a very tough time and of course there's all kinds of racial politics wrapped up in taking a knee but first this song tom you know this song i actually don't i've heard the song i don't know who it is i thought so. it was I've gonna heard, be beyonce I, really have. I thought so too but this one has been doing it for me this is the number one song in the country it's by a rapper named cardi b it's called Bodak Yellow. It's a big story for a few reasons. Tell us. This is the first time since Lauryn Hill that a female-led rap song with no what? guest artist was number one on the Billboard charts. Are you serious? Yeah. Lauryn Hill's... How many years Duop, that? That was like 98 when Duop That Thing came out. That was so when long When you ago. were a lad. <laughs> when I was That's a, a long lad, time. Right? I also like Cardi B just because she's kind of like this American dream story. She was an exotic dancer just a few years ago. She had a really funny Instagram persona. That got her on a VH1 reality show. And then less than like two or three years ago, she started to rap. And all of a sudden, she has the number one song in the oh country. Gosh, and there she is. Yeah. That sounds a lot like my career trajectory. That is that <laughs> pre-NPR. Pre-NPR. Hey, you know, we come from all kinds of places. He only Corva. did sports bars. <laughs> so that's my song. But yes, you um, had a reference to Beyonce. She just released a Spanish language verse on a song called Mi Gente. Uh, to aid Puerto Rico's uh, victims of Hurricane Maria. Yes, and that was the thing I've been listening to all this morning. It's and quite I catchy. Was just like, woohoo, I've been giving birth on these haters because I'm fertile. If you really love me, make an album about me. Word up. Lift up your people, Texas, Puerto Rico, damn islands to Mexico. Well, freeze. now we got to play Beyonce. Freeze. <laughs> yes. Freeze. I'm just saying, I was set. I love I follow that. How do I follow that? With Come knowledge, on. my dear friend. <laughs> All right, first, we'll start the show as we always do. I want each of us to describe how this week felt in just three words. I'm sure you both are up to the challenge. Corva, you're first. My three words are necesitamos comida, agua. And that actually translates into four words in English. And basically what it means is we need food, water. And this is what people are 
painting on their roofs oh my goodness. in Puerto Rico. People are getting out and saying they don't have things. And the only way they feel that they can get people's attention is to paint these gigantic letters on their roofs saying, necesitamos comida agua. And I'm starting, and I'm sure both of you are starting to have some very awful memories from 2005. Katrina. Yeah. And I think that what is really interesting about the speed of this response or lack thereof is how many Americans aren't quite sure that Puerto Rico was part of America. They aren't sure that they're Americans. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing in the Facebook live streams videos that I've been doing, which I do every day at 10 o'clock on NPR's Facebook page. I have to remind people that Puerto Ricans are, in fact, Americans. There's almost three and a half million Americans Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah. And if you can imagine, people are still trying to get food, water, medicines uh, into Puerto Rico. And this is the the stuff we're finding out about is in San Juan. We don't know that much about the rest of the island. Go ahead, Tom. Which, which begs an existential question that we always ask in disasters. Does it matter? I guess it does matter in the sense that, you know, if they are Americans, they are Americans, there should be a quicker American response. But, of course, you know, even if they weren't Americans. Yeah, I mean, the numbers behind this disaster are just overwhelming. There was a report from the U.S. Department of Energy uh, Thursday, and they estimated that 100 percent of Puerto Rican customers that have electricity – they have no power. 100% of customers there have no power. Um, some hospitals have power by generator, but if you don't have your own private generator, you're stuck. Most of the island still lacks drinking or bathing water and cell service. And it's been in the 80s and 90s on the island and very humid, which makes everything even worse. And we can't forget uh, the northern part of the island was hit uh by Irma just two weeks earlier, and they were still reeling from that. And I want to point out as well that this wasn't just any set of hurricanes. These were two Category 5 hurricanes. Yeah. And a Category 5, according to the Saffir-Simpson scale, according to the National Hurricane Center, is sustained winds, sustained winds of at least 157 miles per hour. There were higher gusts. Yeah. It's amazing. Anything is oh, standing totally, on Puerto Rico. Totally. Let us not forget the Virgin Islands. Oh, yeah. We've we've had a lot of conversation this past week about the NFL and whether yeah. one uh, should properly kneel or not kneel uh, during the national anthem. And we'll probably have that conversation in a little bit. Yeah. But there's been a lot of tweeting from our president about this. And for a while, there was a lot of tweets about the NFL and none from Trump about Puerto Rico. Hmm. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff mm-hmm. going on. Tick them off, Sam. Okay. Jared Kushner and others in the Trump White House using private email, uh, a private plane controversy uh, with Health Secretary Tom Price, the failure of yet another Obamacare repeal bill, the Graham-Cassidy Act, um, and a tax proposal introduced by the GOP this week that's already raising a lot of eyebrows and questions. And yeah, I mean, it's easy to see how the NFL distracts from these things. But I guess my question is, is it an intentional distraction from Trump or is the NFL just the thing that he's really into this week? It's hard to tell sometimes. I can't tell. I can't tell. (laughs) I can't tell. (laughs) My three words are back at it. And I'm talking about Congress. Uh, This week, just after the failure of their latest attempt to repeal the Affordable Care Act, the Graham-Cassidy bill, uh, the GOP in Congress is pushing another big piece of legislation, a tax overhaul. And uh, it would be a big overhaul if it's passed. Currently, there are seven 
tax brackets for all of us Americans. The GOP proposal would take it down to three brackets, just 12 percent, 25 percent and 35 percent. They would see increases in the standard deduction for single people and married couples. Things like the estate tax would go away. Corporate tax rates would go down to either 20 percent or 25 percent. From a top rate of 35 percent. I know it's a bunch of numbers here, but and then, you know, things like deductions for state and local taxes would also go away as well. Oh, that's not going to go over very well. So it is it is quite a big shift and quite a big change. I'm just you know, one can look at the GOP and either be surprised that they would jump into something so big after their most recent failure Or you could say, I commend them for their effort. You know, they continue to try. I'll tell you something. It certainly reflects their consistency. They've they've talked about this for a long time. And there are many arguments for overhauling the U.S. tax code. Yes. It's complicated. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Some people say it's unfair. It's not progressive enough. Um, Some people pay way more than others. If you get hit by the alternative minimum tax, you are very angry a lot of times. So there's that. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Typically, Republicans make an argument, many have for a long time, that the deficit should be reduced. And on top of that, I mean the debt, really. And then there's another argument a lot of people make, too, which is for a balanced budget. Basically, at the end of the year... Everything the balances books out. Match out. Books yeah. are even. This plan this does neither. Doesn't even get close. There's one more set of three words coming from Tom Goldman. What are yours, sir? Well, kind of e- easy considering what I cover. Kind yeah. of obvious. Yeah. It would be take a knee. Okay. But I want to go next level, all right? Do it. So I thought about the different meaning of those three words in a football context, and I mm-hmm. think they're they're actually quite apropos. Now, take a knee is when a quarterback takes the snap and immediately drops to a knee, and that stops the play, right? Yeah. So also at the end of a practice, when a coach calls players together and says, guys, take a knee, and that means it's time to listen to the coach, okay? So stop and listen. Whoa. And that's maybe mm-hmm. where we should be after this hellacious week of controversy. Time to stop and listen to what we're all saying about this moment and figure out what it really means and what we all want it to mean. Yeah. We, we should also remember that in Trump's diatribe against the NFL last week, um, hasn't been covered as much, but he had but he had some comments about the violence of football and what he called, quote unquote, the beautiful hits. And he, he was kind Oy. of putting his his fists together, you know, like with two opposing forces colliding, which is what you saw Thursday night with uh, with Green Bay uh, wide receiver Devontae Adams and mm-hmm. uh, took a horrible hit. His mouthpiece went flying. His his head was oh, like yeah. on a swivel. It, it, it was it was just brutal. Didn't they take and, him off uh, on a stretcher? They took him off on a stretcher, you know, and he gave the thumbs up. So everyone was thinking, great, he's alive. But I'm stunned that, that more players aren't dragged off the field. Mm. And we're going to unpack some more of this story a bit later on in the show. And Tom has some good facts and info for us then. Mm. All right, we're going to hold right here for a quick break. We'll be right back with some more News of the Week. BRB. We'd like to thank our sponsor who brings you this message, Discover Card, who alerts you if they find your social security number on any one of thousands of risky websites. Discover believes that there are some things that you just need to know. It's just another way Discover looks out for you, not just your account. And best of all, social security alerts are free for Discover Card members. All you have to do is sign up online. Learn more at discover.com slash free alerts. Limitations apply. Support also comes from Lyft. 
reminding listeners that they could be relaxing in a lift ride right now, with their eyes closed, listening to Beethoven, or whale sounds, or a babbling brook, or something else relaxing. Lyft provides rides as relaxing as the buttery smooth voice of a public radio announcer, because riding is just a more relaxing way to drive. Lyft, it matters how you get there. Download and ride today. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with NPR newscaster supreme, Corva Coleman, whose favorite movie is... Go. I'm embarrassed. That's the movie? No. Oh, say it. Fantasia. I'm with you on that. (laughs) It's beautiful. (laughs) Also here with me is Tom Goldman, who covers sports for NPR. And your favorite snack food, Tom, is... Oh, my God. You know those uh, green beans that are kind of crunchy? Oh, you don't help uh, that. You show off. I just, he, he lives I in just Oregon. pulled that out of my ear, Sam. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll he, take it. He lives in Oregon. Pay no mind. <laughs> now it's time for a segment that we call Long Distance. It's where we call a listener out in the country and talk to them about what's going on in their life. Today on the line, we have from San Francisco, Monica. Monica, you there? Yes, I am. How are you? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. I am doing okay. All Hanging right. in there. All right. Also, you're on the phone with uh, two friends of mine, Corva and Tom. They're Hi. right here with me. Hi, Monica. Hi, Corva and Tom. Hi, Monica. You know, we're talking to you today not because of a San Francisco story. We're talking to you today because a lot of your family is in Puerto Rico, your entire family. And you're from there, right? Yes, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. Um, how many relatives do you have there now? Uh, everyone except a cousin and my older brother are in Puerto Rico. So your mom, your dad, you have a brother. My mom, my dad. Yeah, I have a brother, uh, nieces, nephews, uncles, aunts, cousins, everyone's there. Yeah, you know, and we actually almost got a hold of some of your family out there, but there's still really bad phone reception, really bad cell reception. Uh, How have you been getting in touch with your family? Um... Well, through WhatsApp, um, actually, these kind of applications have been great. Um, Social media, Facebook has been a real lifeline because people don't have landlines are not working. um, People don't have reception. Yeah. And so communication is, is very, very hard still, you know, nine days after Hurricane Maria hit. Monica, what part what part of Puerto Rico are you and your family from? Um, my family, well, I have family all over. I am from Vega Alta, which is in the north, um, but I have family in the east and the west. And, I mean, the whole island has been devastated. And that north portion was hit with Irma just before Maria, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. And, I mean, before, by when Irma hit, uh, my father, he lost power and never got it back. Oh, wow. Um, so he's, oh. he's had no power for, for we- three weeks. No power, oh, no power, no water. How long from the time the storm hit until you heard from your family and made sure they were okay? Um, So I heard from my uncle actually the next day or the day after the the storm hit um, via, again, via WhatsApp. Yeah. Um, And my dad has a series of of chronic illnesses. So obviously he was very worried about his medication. You know, he's diabetic. Is he going to be able to keep his insulin? Oh, man. Um, Oh, jeez. 
And so at least he has a generator. Oh, okay. But I, from, you know, it it had been working on and off because, you know, he's been running it for three weeks now. Um, So, you know, I haven't talked to him at all. Um, I've heard about him through other people. So I actually don't know how he's doing. I don't know if his generator is working. I don't know how he's doing health wise. Yeah. Um, it's devastating not to, to not just know that your family may be suffering, but Mm -hmm. to see, images of of your people who are in pain who've lost everything it's been you know it's hard to function what's been your biggest fear for your family out there um you know my family i think my family has been in in the big picture they're very privileged Mm -hmm. um you know they didn't really have any major material losses but i think people are are really worried about their security how so? Well, I've heard stories about people who are sleeping in their cars um, because they've lost everything. I, I, I uh, have a friend in the center of the island, and she told me that she had a family who lost their house. The only thing that was left standing was the bathroom. Mm. So they went to the hardware store to buy a few blocks and, you know, a wooden panel so that they could make a little house out of their bathroom so that their one-year-old child could, you know, have a roof uh, over over their head. And, you know, people are really worried about people stealing, coming into their houses and stealing things, you know, because the response has been less than ideal. Monica, um, you mentioned the response. Uh, Are your family members saying anything about the response or maybe lack of response? Um, No, I mean, I think they're most concerned about, you know, my mom called me the other day and she was like, "Ah, I'm running low on water and food. Like, I think they're really just worried about getting what they need. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think there is the, the unrest and the desperation is, is growing because people here, either through the news or through the grapevine, there's all of this help that's being sent. There's all of this donation drives that are being done in, in the mainland U.S., and people are not seeing that. Mm. They, not. That's not getting to them. Yeah. And so, you know, I think people are getting uneasy and, and they're getting desperate. Monica, what is it that we're not paying attention to that you want us to pay attention to? Um, I think the the response or, or the attention, the media attention has been really, really slow. Mm. Um, it wasn't until early this week that I actually started seeing major newscasts and newspapers cover what's happening or at least be having it be one of the main headlines. Yeah. You know, I think it's sad that we have to remind people that Puerto Ricans are U.S. citizens. Yeah, there's 3.4 American citizens 3.4 who are million. in the middle of yeah. right 3.4 million. Yeah, American citizens and people are just not paying attention and they're not talking about it. I have one last question for you. Puerto Rico is going to try to rebuild, but when you rebuild after a storm of this magnitude, there's some things that just don't come back. Mm-hmm. What are you most worried about Puerto Rico losing that never comes back from this storm? You know, I, I don't know that I'm worried about something being permanently lost. Um, what I do hope is that we see opportunity in this crisis. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I was listening to the news this morning and someone was saying America always rebuilds where Puerto Rico is part of America. So yeah. we will rebuild. What I hope to see is that we are really thinking ahead how we're going to rebuild in a way that's sustainable and resilient, because I know that this is not going to be, unfortunately, the last strong hurricane that we are going to see. Mm. Um, and so I hope we, we put in place policies and, and practices that are going to allow us to better manage natural disasters such as this one in the future. Yeah. You know what? I totally lied. I have one more last question. What are you going to do for <laughs> fun this weekend to take care of yourself, to have a good time this weekend? I am probably going to go for a hike. Where are you going to um, hike? There's lots of... I don't know yet. Okay. Um, I, I actually live close to Golden Gate Park oh, in San Francisco. It's pretty out there. So I probably will go there with my husband and my dogs. Um, what kind of dogs? Walking... Uh, well, I have a terrier mix and a chihuahua that I actually rescued oh. in Puerto Rico. Oh, we love dogs <laughs> on this show. Well, I hope you have a yeah. great hike, and I'm sending good vibes to you and your family in PR. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, guys. All right, take care. Bye. 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 All right, listeners, we want to hear from you for this segment. If you want to give us a call and talk about anything, anything going on where you live, just drop us a note and tell us what's happening. Email me at samsanders at npr.org. Just to riff off of that conversation, you know, there is a, a kind of latest this week update regarding Puerto Rico and its recovery. President Trump temporarily waived the Jones Act for 10 days to help supplies get into Puerto Rico. Um, And a lot of critics for days were saying this should have been done sooner. It was waived before, uh, after Hurricanes Harvey and Irma. And the Jones Act is really weird. (laughs) Yeah, the Jones Act actually dates back to um, 1920. It's a maritime act. It was named for a senator. And basically what it requires is that all ships going from a U.S. port to to another U.S. US port, port, Puerto Rico is obviously in the U.S., has to be Mm -hmm. a U.S. flagged ship. It has to be built in the U.S. It has to be owned by Americans and mostly mostly crewed by Americans. And they have to wave an American flag on it. That's part of the rule, too. That's the idea. Uh, Do you know the why behind that? Why in 1920 did they decide to do that? Because they were building up the U.S. um, maritime industry, and they wanted to Mm -hmm. make sure that they could provide jobs for for shipbuilders. You had all these people in shipyards that were constructing things, and you were also coming just out of World War I, so it made a good idea at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is still a strong argument for shipbuilding to be to done in the, the United States. Yeah. But let us not forget, this not only negatively affects Puerto Rico, it also affects Hawaii mm-hmm. and Alaska. And it helps make mm-hmm. goods more expensive in places like those. I have heard the mayor of San Juan, Puerto Rico, the capital, say that goods in uh, Puerto Rico actually cost between 30% and 33% more oh my goodness. than they do yeah. on the mainland. Simply oh, because, because of, why is that? Because of the Jones Act. Because if you have to use these uh, rules, you can only use U.S. carriers that meet all these criteria. You can't use a foreign flagged carrier who might be carrying cheaper goods and have mm-hmm. a cheaper staff. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, guys, this Jones Act conversation took up a lot of Puerto Rico conversation this week. But there's a bigger issue at play, it seems, right now than just getting stuff to the island. It's what happens to the stuff once it gets there. Um, There were some reports this week that some 10,000 containers of supplies have gotten to the port in San Juan, but they're stuck there 
for a few reasons. The roads are still blocked. There's a fuel shortage. Uh, and it's hard to contact drivers because cell lines are down. Also, the governor says uh, that since the storm hit Puerto Rico, only 20 percent of truckers in Puerto Rico have been able to go to work for obvious reasons. So now there's goods getting there. But how do you get them spread throughout the island? And how do you tell be? people to come to work? Yeah. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with NPR newscaster Supreme, Corva Coleman, whose favorite Beyonce song is... Oh, the single ladies. Oh, that's great. Okay, I love it. I'm just saying. Also have here our sports correspondent for NPR, Tom Goldman, whose favorite sport is... Go ahead, Tom. What's your favorite sport? Oh, right. You're supposed to react and not think. Uh, <laughs> ba- basketball. Basketball. Okay. Gotta be. Good pick. All right. This is usually the part of the show where we all three of us go around and share a story of the week that we liked or reported on or just couldn't let go. But today we're going to switch things up a bit. Uh, and for the sake of experimentation, we're just going to talk about one single story. We'll call it our story of the week, headline of the week. Probably, for me, the one headline that has had me thinking the most, aside from Puerto Rico. And this is the whole brouhaha, kerfuffle, hufflepuff over Donald Trump and the NFL. Hufflepuff. Yeah. Uh, Tom, what's the latest? <laughs> there was a game Thursday night. Packers and the Bears uh, played each other, but there wasn't quite a taking of a knee. What happened? There was a lot of buildup because this was the first game after this this tumultuous weekend where we saw several hundred players linking arms or kneeling and all of the news that that generated and the response that generated. So this was going to be the, the Packers versus the Bears, not only a great rivalry, but this game was going to be the first since that weekend. So there was some buildup about that. Um, and what the Packers did beforehand is that they invited, through a statement, they invited... Uh, the fans in the stands to to stand up, link arms like the players were going to do on the field in a show of unity. Uh, unity has become this kind of squishy kind of term. In the Packers' statement, and I will read from this statement, I just happen to have it in front of me, uh-huh. um, they said this show of unity will represent a coming together of players who want the same things that all of us do, freedom, equality, tolerance, understanding, justice for those who have been unjustly treated, discriminated against, or otherwise treated unfairly. They wanted the fans to embrace that. Judging by the cameras, you had about seven fans embrace that. So seven (laughs) fans locked arm while the whole team... Now remember, this is what the TV cameras show us there. I was not there at Lambeau Field. There may have been more, and so it may be, you know, unfair to attack. But um, it just seemed from the images we were being shown that people were much more into waving a flag, putting their hands over their heart, doing the normal things that people, a lot of people do with the national anthem, and getting on with the game. So you had players on the field locking arms, which is not taking a knee. Fans had a different, if not muted, response. Like, we're a week and a half or so into this thing, and it feels like it's more muddled than it was before it started. I'm Am complete, I correct in saying that? I'm completely unclear. And, and, I, and I think a lot of players, coaches, owners are as well. We had the big expression last weekend to the president of the United States who had called them the players SOBs. And so that already, the, just to jump in really quickly, 
that was a distraction from what the taking a knee was initially, which was about injustice at the hands of police officers that many of these black players thought was happening across the country. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you already, from the start of this last week and a half of taking the situation, the energy around it being moved to the president and what he said and away from the core issue. And now it seems with the locking of the arms and the statements of unity, we've moved even further. I, I think I think there's definitely an element of, of truth to what you're saying. You know, it's interesting. I'm just thinking as you're saying, it's muddled. We're not really sure what unity means and you know who this is clearest for? Who? Donald J. Trump. Yeah. Uh, he has, throughout the week, he's kept up the attack. You know, the first, okay, so the first, this is according to Nielsen ratings, the mm-hmm. first three weeks of the current regular season, including last weekend's tumultuous weekend, about 15.7 million people watched the NFL. The first three weeks of the 2016 regular season, about 17.6 million watched the NFL. That's a drop. So it's a drop. But can we draw a straight line between what's been going on, you know, with the take a knee uh, issue and this drop? Not necessarily. You also had ratings falling the first two weeks of the season when, you know, we weren't really paying attention to it because it was only kind of a handful of players. Yeah. My question for you, Tom, uh, given that your favorite sport is basketball, what should we expect in that season and in the NBA? You know, from my understanding, uh, these NBA players have been even more vocal about their politics and issues like Black Lives Matter than some in the NFL. And also the viewership for the NBA is younger, more diverse and a bit more left leaning, period. Yeah, I, I, I think if, uh, you know, Trump has been able to wade into uh, the NFL and, and to feed his base with this ongoing thing about they need to be fired, this is a horrible thing. But as you rightly point out, the NBA is a much different beast, mm-hmm. much more diverse, younger. And when you've got the best basketball player in the world. Wait, who apologies do you say is the best basketball player in the apologies world? Apologies to mm-hmm. Steph Curry, but when you have one LeBron James, okay, so let's just pause. He is me still and the man. Are me and Corver giving you some side eye right here in the booth. No, I think he's right. <gasps> what? Hey, he's right. My point is, I'm the sports correspondent. <laughs> when I say guys. <laughs> No, it is widely accepted that LeBron James is the best active living basketball player in the world. And the point is, he called the president a bum. So so there is no mincing words here with, with the NBA. And I'm saying the NBA reflected by its most famous, players, its best, yeah. its most yeah. prominent player. Yeah. Steph Curry is is right behind LeBron as well, far Steph as best Curry, player in the world. Who's a champion this year. And who is not, not going, going to the White House. House which He's not going to White House. He he is mincing words a little bit. He has not come out and said anything about Donald Trump the way LeBron has. But you get a sense. And plus, the NBA was has been far ahead of the NFL. I mean, all due respect to Colin Kaepernick and the other guys who have tried to make their points in as respectful a way as possible. But LeBron James LeBron was, was wearing it much earlier. He, LeBron was wearing an "I Can't Breathe" T-shirt several years ago, and and other players have have similarly. Uh, you know, been politically active. And also, you know, the NBA seems to be a league where individual players have a lot more power and clout than they would in the NFL. No one tells LeBron James what to do. Yeah. No, that's an outstanding point. Football is all about team 
basketball players are one name figures yeah. in our Shaq. popular culture. Yeah. Shaq, LeBron, yeah. Steph, you name it. It goes on and on and on. Football players, probably the most famous football player is Tom Brady. I don't think we refer to him as Tom. I don't. Maybe they do up in I the Northeast. I just don't refer to him, period. You just don't <laughs> refer to him. But, <laughs> yeah. but I think you're dealing with a whole different beast, and totally. I think this conversation totally. is going to um, go to a different place uh, once the NBA season starts. Tom, briefly put this in historical perspective for us. We know that throughout history, athletes have protested. It's a thing they have the right to do and they have done a lot. But have we ever seen a sitting president react so strongly and vocally to their protest? No. Okay. You wanted me to be quick. You were. Real, qu- real quick, you had Muhammad Ali, you had Tommy Smith, John Carlos, you had Kurt Flood, baseball player in the 60s, late 60s, all making very important uh, social stands. You had the presidents at that time were LBJ, Richard Nixon. For all the ills that history shows that those guys were responsible for, and a few good things, They never spoke out the way Donald Trump has. It's something. You know, I am really interested in the way history looks back on this time we're in right now. And what I find to usually be the case is that athletes, mostly of color, protesting for the rights of people of color are generally viewed pretty favorably by history. And folks that tell them no... Not so much. Think we'll about, see. Think about Jackie Robinson. He's considered a statesman. He's considered a patriot. He's considered somebody who broke the color barrier. And you think of him, if not in a baseball uniform, you think of him in suit and tie. Yeah. What you don't think about mm-hmm. is how he specifically said, I cannot stand for the national mm-hmm. anthem. It's yeah. something. I mean, to see this protest movement moved in just a week and a half from a fight for justice to a show of unity Those are two very different things. Mm. Thanks, guys. Thanks. All right. Time for one more quick break right here. Once we get back, we'll play Who Said That? My favorite part of the show. We'll also hear our listeners tell us the best things that happened to them all week. Support for It's Been a Minute and the following message come from the Platinum Card from American Express. There's a great big world out there, and no other card lets you experience it like the Platinum Card, backed by the service and security of American Express. Thank you so much for listening to this show. Before we get back to it, there are a lot of shows about the week's news, but there's only one that treats the news the way it deserves to be treated. Roughly, rudely, and with lots of tasteless comments. That would be Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR quiz show whose motto is, our points don't matter because nothing does. Listen to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on the NPR One app or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we're back. Now it's time for a game that we call... Who said that? It's it's my it's like probably my second favorite five minutes of the week, second to the best things all week. All right, uh, Corva's ready for this game. No, Tom, I, am I can't not. see you. Are you? I am, but Corva's gonna destroy me. I don't, I don't know if know, I want to play. I, I don't I think don't I am. Thank you for thinking well of me. I say a quote. First person who figures out who said that gets a point. The winner gets absolutely nothing. All right, first quote. Ready? Yes. I read that you said you're not proud to say you've had work done. Why not? Who said that? 
Jane Fonda. No, it's about no, Jane no, 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 Fonda, no, 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 but who no, no, no. said it? Oh, but who said oh, it? Oh, 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 oh. Megan, Megan Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> he beat me. He beat me. I don't know if we get. He beat me. I don't know if Tomkin had two answers though. Yes, he can. He Umpire, beat me. referee. What say you, Brent? Come on, Brent. Brent says it seems fine. <laughs> so you beat me, Tom. Megan Kelly, formerly of Fox News, just Ooh. launched her morning talk show on NBC, and she's off to a rocky start. <laughs> While she was interviewing Jane Fonda and Robert Redford about their film that just came out, she asked Jane Fonda about whether or not she had plastic surgery. And Jane Fonda was not having it. Why did you say, I read that you said you felt you're not proud to admit that you've had work done. Why not? We really want to talk about that? <laughs> well, one of the things people think about when they look at you is how amazing you look. Well, thanks. Good attitude, good posture, take care of myself. But let me tell you why I... I I love this movie that we yep. did, Our yeah. Souls at Night. Ouch. Ooh. Yeah. Anyway, next quote. I've this is going to be a hard one. Oh, and I'm excited. I love the hard ones. The quote is I don't have words. Who said that? I'll give you some context yeah, and detail. I need a clue. This is a famous TV show creator who has just been announced to be involved in the reboot of a classic 80s comedy. I'll give you a key line from that 80s comedy. And if you guess the movie itself, then I'll let it be. I'm really stuck. Ready? A quote from that movie is sexual chocolate. Who said, y'all know this. I actually don't. The movie and having a little like fundraiser and he's like, sexual chocolate. Sexual chocolate. I want to thank everyone for shouting at their phone (laughs) or radio. It's one of the best Eddie Murphy films of all time. I'm afraid to reveal how old I actually am. Coming to America. Coming to America. That was not his best film. (gasps) What was his best film? Well, Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop. Okay. Well, I thought you guys would know this. Anyways, Kenya Barris, the creator of Blackish on ABC, uh, announced this week that he'll be working on a sequel to my favorite Eddie Murphy film. Which is? Coming to America. Okay. Coming soon. Wow. Okay, last quote. Last quote. The presentation that the blank team made to the Senate Intel staff today was deeply disappointing. Twitter. It's about Twitter. A certain senator said it. This is Virginia Senator Mark Warner. He berated Twitter uh, after the company gave a briefing to the Senate Intelligence Committee on Russian interference in last year's election. And from what we're hearing, the Twitter presentation was very bad. They apparently just, like, copied some of the notes from Facebook's presentation. <laughs> Don't look off my paper, man. Yeah. And, you know, for years, it seemed as if these tech companies like Facebook and Twitter could get away with anything and no one wanted to regulate them. And all of a sudden, Congress is sniffing around. And I would bet that within the next year or two or three, there's going to be some regulation of companies like Facebook and Twitter from Capitol Hill. Mm. Hmm. Who won the game, Brent? It doesn't matter. I doesn't know who matter. won the game. No one, I know who I won know. the game. We tied. Corva Dustin. No, 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 no. We tied. And Tom Corva. beat You know what? The listeners won. No. Okay, the listeners won. <laughs> All right, thank you both for playing. You guys were almost done, I promise. Okay. But first, a plug for our Tuesday episode. Uh, it's with John Carroll Lynch. This is an actor and new director uh, who you think you don't know, but you do. Can you both Google John Carroll Lynch right now for me, Tom and Corva? Because you know this guy. 
Okay. This is gonna scare. I'm doing it right now. As you Google, his directorial debut uh, is out soon. That film is called Lucky, and it stars uh, a legend, oh, yeah. Harry Dean Stanton, who just passed away. Oh, he actually. just died. Yeah, I talked with John Carroll Lynch about the film, about Stanton, about life as an actor, about his Catholic religion and philosophy. It got real deep. It was real good. He also referenced Tropic Thunder a lot, which was fun. I beg your pardon. Uh, yeah, listen up. It's he's awesome. He was in Fargo. I remember yeah, him in Fargo. So you know, he, he, was, he was the husband. He was so great. It I was great. Him. He's good. So yeah. check that out on Tuesday. With that, we're going to end our weekly wrap as we always do. Each week, we ask our listeners to send us the sound of their own voice, telling me the best thing that happened to them all week. We encourage them to brag. Uh, let's take a listen. Hey, Sam. This is Emily calling from well, the Road right now. I just drove eight hours to go see my grandma in Minneapolis, and for the first time in years, when I walked in the room, she knew who I was. Wow. And that was really awesome. That's amazing. I'm driving home, and I'm so happy that I get to have that new memory of my grandma that I haven't had really in a long time. Yeah. It's been a good day. Hi, Sam. This is Richie calling from San Francisco, and the best thing that happened to me this week was my son hit his very first home run in Little League. I got a chance to buy two tickets to my girlfriend's favorite band, Arcade Fire, and all the proceeds are going back into our local NPR station, KMPR. Thank you, thank you. I was offered a job. Congrats. I successfully defended my dissertation. I got to spend two weeks hiking across Scotland with my husband. I finished a 49-mile bike race around Lake Coeur d'Alene in Idaho. So cool. Hey, Sam. This is Ashley Combs from Oklahoma City. I have manic depression and sometimes through the news and family and work is really hard but Mm. this week i was able to get through those thoughts and find good in the world so oh that's awesome that's the best thing that happened to me this week happy for you hi sam this is megan in miami florida and the best thing that happened to me this week was that after 11 days after irma we finally got power back and thank goodness air conditioning (laughs) yeah hey sam my name's Nate, and I'm from Ontario, Canada. The best thing that happened to me this week, after a year and a half of hard work, a lot of prayer, and a lot of planning, was getting to see the launch of a brand new church. Wow, that's so cool. Hi, Sam. This is Jody from Seattle, and the best thing that happened to me this week is that it has been one decade since I was diagnosed with a particularly aggressive breast cancer, mm-hmm. and I'm still alive. And we pulled our 10 and 13 year old out of school and we are spending the week at the same beach in Hawaii that I used as my happy place to not panic during chemo and radiation. Oh man. So thanks so much for your show. Aloha. Aloha. Hi Sam. I hope you're doing well. This week I became a lawyer in Toronto, Canada. Congrats. I came to Canada when I was in my early teens from India. I was born there. I did my law from Washington, D.C. People will say immigrants don't love their adopted country enough. I'll tell you this. I am an Indian. I will always remain an Indian. But Canada gave me everything. And I think about America every day. Mm. We have large hearts. We know how to love the lands we touch. Mm. Wow. Thanks. Thanks. Have a good week. Bye. Oh, man. That's an awesome segment. It is. And hats off to Brent pulling it together every week. Mm. Thanks to Emily. Richie, 
Terrence, Hope, Heather, Emma, Cheska, Ashley, Megan, Nate, Jody, and Parth. Shout out to Canada. Shout out to Hawaii. Shout out to our amazing community of listeners. Brent and I listen to all these that come in. Wish we had time to play them all. But know that when you hit send on those emails, it lands in our inbox. And we do hear it. Thank you all for sharing those. I think we are officially done. Now we're playing for Corva to take us out. Mm-hmm. Mi Gente by J Balvin and Willie William features a verse like this from Beyonce. She can do anything. Beyonce and Cardi B, women and, changing the world. And all I love it. the money from this single is going to hurricane and earthquake relief. That's awesome. The show this week was edited by Jeff Rogers and Steve Nelson. Refresh your feed Tuesday morning for John Carroll Lynch. Thank you, Corva. Have a great weekend. You too, Sam. Thank you. Tom, enjoy that West Coast and have a great weekend. Thank you. I will. You too, Sam. Thanks a bunch. Thanks for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. <laughs> 